Have you ever prayed a prayer that um, maybe you realize wasn't the right prayer to pray? Have you ever prayed that? Um, have you ever prayed a prayer that you wish you could take back? Anybody? Yeah. Like, you know, to pray, Lord, grant me patience. That's one of those that you really don't want to utter. You really don't want to pray because it says that tribulation produces patience in Romans 5. So when you say, Lord, give me patience, you're saying, Lord, send me some tribulation. I need some good trials, God. <laughs> so that's, I, I, I don't really pray, God, give me patience. I, I really don't. I just say, God, just give me strength. Help me. Help me, Jesus. You know, help me, Lord. <laughs> well, we have been speaking about, like I mentioned earlier at the beginning, the power of God. And we've looked at God's power and discovered that it is dynamic. It is, it is, uh, Dynamite, it's explosive in other words. Um, last week we noted that it is energetic, it is energy. God's power gives us energy, the ability, like the energizer bunny, to keep going and going and going. And the word that we looked at was ernogaya, ernogaya, uh, which is the Greek word, one of the Greek words for power, and it speaks of energy. And we noted last week that one of the ways that you and I can access this aspect of God's power, His energy, is through the Word. And we saw that in a verse in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. Tonight we're going to look at the other way that we can experience the working of God's energy in our lives to such a degree that it produces results. Now, I have prayed, like I've said, prayers that I wish I could take back. Um, prayers that now... When I look at it, I'm like, man, that sure was funny in that context, in that situation. Maybe I should have prayed differently. Um, I came across a clip by Pastor Robert Morris, who pastors at Gateway Church in Texas. And uh, it's under the title, Funny Story About Praying. And so I want you to watch this clip uh, of Pastor Robert Morris sharing about a funny story regarding prayer. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in 1983. Pastor Olin laid hands on me. And uh, after that, I went, just a, a couple of years later, I went on a, a mission trip. And I had this new boldness and this new fire. And uh, we went on this mission trip to the Philippines. And I was preaching this pastor's conference along with several others. You know, I was just one of the speakers. And uh, I went to speak one night, and I didn't realize they had had a drought in the country and they had been praying for rain. And I didn't know anything about this, but when I went to speak that night, we were under this shed, just kind of a tin roof, open on all sides, and it was pouring rain. These pastors were huddled under this shed, under this roof. And it was, when I got to speak, it was raining so loudly that I, I thought, they, they just can't hear me. And because I'd been filled with the Spirit, I had this boldness. And I'd heard things like this, you know, that older men of God had done. And so I just said, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to stop the rain. <laughs> and so I said, Lord, in Jesus' name, stop the rain. <laughs> it rained harder. 
I said, Lord, in Jesus' name, stop the rain. Harder. And then I had this thought come to me. I said, let's just all thank God for the rain. <clears throat> you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> what I'm telling you is that I had boldness, but I didn't have wisdom at that time. Because <clears throat> I was growing in the things of the Lord. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, his power comes in us. Boldness, but no wisdom. You ever been there? Yeah. So talking about the power of God and how to access his energy in our lives. Last week, as we shared, we looked at the fact that the way that we can access God's power or his energy in our lives is through the word. We're going to look at the other way that we can access his power, his energy in our lives. Looking at James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. James 5 Verses 16 through 18. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be what? Hmm. Now, notice this comes right after the instructions that James had given. That if there's anybody in need of healing in the church... In verses 14 and 15, prior to this, he says, Let him call for the elders of the church, and they will anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal him. Okay? So it's talking about prior praying uh, for the sick through the leadership of the church, anointing with oil. But now, in this verse 16, watch what it says, Pray for one another, that you may be healed. This is important, because some people have the misconception. I need to get to that person to get healed. I need that person to pray for me. But what James wants the body of Christ to know, that you all have access to the power of God. You have the ability through exercising prayer to experience the power of God working through you. That's what James is saying. You have access to that power through prayer. And then he goes on, watch this, the effective, say effective, that's ernogeo in Greek, the ernogeo, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Or result leads to positive effectual results. And then he uses an example. Elijah was a man with a nature like who? Like ours. Say ours. Can we go back to the verse? He was a man with a nature like ours, it says. And he prayed how? Earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So do you see what he's saying? Elijah was ordinary. He had a nature just like you and me. 
But when he prayed, something extraordinary took place. When he prayed, it stopped raining for three years. And then when he prayed again, it started to rain. An ordinary man like you and me, with flesh and bones. Yet when he prayed, something extraordinary took place. Now, as noted, the word for effective used there, the effective fervent prayer, it's the Greek word ernogale. It means, notice, to work. Be at work. Be operative. Be effective. To avail. And then notice that the Greek ernogeo is where the English verb to energize comes from. So how many of you would like the energy of God at work in your life? Here it is. We notice in context the energy of God is released. It is accessed through prayer. And the good news is you don't have to be perfect to pray. And your prayer doesn't have to be perfect. All your prayer needs to do is direct itself to the one and true God. And He will produce effective results. I like what Robert Law stated. He he said, prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven. It's getting God's will done on earth. The late revivalist Leonard Ravenhill stated, Elijah was a man subject to passions like passions as we. But alas, we are not men of like prayer as he was. His whole life is summed up in two words. He prayed. And then he concludes by saying, No Christian is greater than his prayer life. No Christian is greater than his prayer life. Why? Because it's your praying that transports you from the realm of the ordinary to the extraordinary. It's your praying that transports you from the natural to the supernatural. Hmm. And I love what it says there in James 5.17 regarding Elijah. That phrase, he prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly. The literal Greek reads this way. And he prayed in prayer. And he prayed in prayer. You see, many people do not pray. In their prayers. They just lazily say religious words. And their hearts are not in their prayers. This is why Jesus spoke against vain repetition. Because he's saying that you can repeat something to the point where it means nothing to you. Even though you're saying it. And what Elijah teaches us, that for prayer to be effective, we need to pray when we're praying. In other words, we need to engage with heart, with passion when we're praying. If we want to experience God's energetic power at work, 
producing effective results. Now, when I look at Elijah, a couple of questions pop up. When I looked at this passage, a couple of questions popped up in my mind. What guided his prayers? And why were his prayers energized? What guided his prayers? And why were his prayers energized? I'll tell you why. First, they were formed by the word of the Lord. His prayers were energized because they were formed by the word of the Lord. Now, what James is writing about regarding Elijah in James 5, 17 and 18, is in relation to what we read about in 1 Kings 17 and 18. Look at 1 Kings 17, verse 1. In the New King James, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I what? I stand. He stood before the Lord. There shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, I want you to see what he said there. As the Lord God of Israel is before whom I stand. That's an important phrase because when, when we go to the book of Luke, and uh, we, we, we read about John was going to be born, John the Baptist. The angel Gabriel appeared to John's father. And he told him in Luke chapter 1 that I am Gabriel who stands before the Lord. And I have been sent to you. So when Elijah uses that phrase, before whom I stand, it means that he stood at attention for God's direction. The angels stand before the Lord only for one reason. To get his direction. They act according to his bidding. And so when I, I point that out because when he says, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word, he's not speaking just something from his own heart or his own desires. He had to have been guided by God. And remember, what was Elijah? What office? A prophet. A prophet is a mouthpiece. In simple terms, a prophet is a mouthpiece for God. So when he speaks this word to the king, we can know that it is not a word that was conjured up by himself. It was a word that was given to him by God to speak to the king Ahab. You got it? Hmm. Now, notice what he said. There shall not be dew nor rain these years. Why did he say that? Keep in mind, those who worshipped Baal believed that Baal controlled the rain. He was their weather god. Elisha's prophecy of no rain was putting their belief to the challenge. 
And through issuing this prophecy, Elijah was declaring that it was the Lord God of Israel that controlled the weather. And this challenge would be solidified by the contest that we read about that occurred on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18. You remember that? When Elijah challenged the 450 prophets of Baal to call out to Baal and to ask him to answer by fire. And they did so from the morning to the afternoon. For about a period of six hours, they kept crying out to Baal to send fire from heaven and there was no answer. After they were done, Elijah said, step aside. Let me call on the Lord God of Israel. And Elijah didn't have to spend six hours. He only had to utter one prayer. And the Bible says that God sent fire from heaven. Why did God do that? Because God wanted the false prophets of Baal to understand. You are serving a God who lacks the power to produce what you think he can do. But I am the God, not only of the heavens, I am the God of the earth. I am not a God that is limited to only operate in one sphere or one realm. I rule over it all because I am the creator God. This is why. When you and I call out to God in prayer, we need to be bold in our prayers. We need to pray big prayers. We need to believe God for big answers. Why? Because He's a God who is not limited by space or time. And He is not a God who has been assigned to only operate in one level or in one realm or in one sphere. No. He is the creator of the heavens and earth. El Elyon. The God who possesses possesses heaven and earth. He is the one who is able to work in any realm and any sphere. And Elijah was praying bold prayers because he wanted the false prophets of Baal to understand and to recognize there is only one true God. And I want to boldly declare today, there are not many gods. There are not many gods. There's only one God. And He is the one who answers our prayers. And so I want you to understand today that the reason why his prayers were energized is first they were formed by the word of the Lord. Look at the chapter 18 verse 1, 1 Kings 18:1. It says and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. You see that? The word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Woo! So first God gave him the word. You go talk to Ahab and you tell him it's not going to rain for three years. Three and a half. I don't want to get there because actually it's six months prior. Technically, it was three. Y'all don't think I study? I study a lot. I go deep. I go deep. I want you to see this. So watch this. Watch this. When he says it's not going to rain, it was to show your God is not in control here. He's not in control here. And then when he prays, he's declaring at the word of the Lord, it's going to rain. He's saying, 
Now I'm going to prove to you. Because not only did I stop it from raining, now it's going to start to rain at my word. But what guided him to pray like that? The word of the Lord. And this is what I want you to understand. When I say pray big prayers, when I say pray bold prayers, I'm not telling you to pray whatever you want to pray. You pray what his word directs you to pray. Watch this. Here it is. John 15, 7. Woo, here it is. If you abide in me, say if, and my words abide where? You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Mm. Notice the word abide. Say abide. Say continue. That's what it means. If you continue in me, and my words continue in you, you will ask what you desire. Did you get that? If it begins with continuing in him, and his word continuing in us, then he says, you can ask what you desire. And then he says, and it shall be done for you. How can he say that? Because he knows that if I am continuing in him and his word is continuing in me, my desires will be fashioned and formed according to his will by his word. But I love the way it reads in the Passion Translation. This is powerful. But if you live in life union with me, And if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When his word is powerfully in me, when is his word powerfully in me? When I'm reading it, but not just reading it, when I'm meditating on it day and night. Blessed is the man, the Bible says, who meditates on his word Day and night. That's what God told Joshua. This word shall not depart out of your mouth, but it shall continue. How? By meditating on it day and night, you will prosper and have good success. I want you to understand today, God's word, as we pointed out last week, it is full of energy. And when you and I meditate on it, the energy of God, the powerful, living, active work of God is activated in our lives. And when that word is at work in our lives, it fashions and forms our desires so that when we pray, we pray according to the will of God. And when you pray according to the will of God, stuff happens because that's why Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So say, they were formed by the word of the Lord. See, his prayers were formed by the word of the Lord. And secondly, they were faith-filled because of the word of the Lord. They were faith-filled because of the word of the Lord. And remember what we read last week in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Watch. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you receive, say received, When you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also, there it is, Ernogea, effectively works in you who what? Who believe. When you and I embrace God's word, when we receive it, when we set out the welcome mat to God's word, it 
produces energy as well as increases faith in us. You know Romans ten seventeen. so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want you to see how it reads in the Passion Translation. Faith then is birthed in a heart that what? Responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. Who's the anointed one? Jesus. Isaiah 61, Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me. When you and I receive God's word that's proclaimed, declaring who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. Notice what happened. Faith then is birthed in our hearts. When we receive it, just like the uh, believers of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, they received and they welcomed God's Word. They welcomed what the apostles say. They didn't take it as words of men. They took it as the Word of God. And because of that, the Word worked effectively, energetically in them because they had faith to believe. And such is the case when you and I hear what Jesus can do and who Jesus is and we welcome it and we receive it, then the Holy Spirit comes to confirm what we believe about Jesus, who He is, and what He can do. That's why Jesus said to Martha in John 11, He said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? You see, faith is not faith in in your faith. Faith in what you can believe. Faith in what you can produce. No, my faith is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. You see, that's what true faith. Faith is not believing that I can achieve through my human potential. No, it is believing that Jesus can do through his power who, what he said he can do. And look at 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have, say have, the petitions that we have asked of Him. Faith, because of His will, through His Word, being confirmed to our hearts, grants us both assurance and insurance in prayer. Assurance and Insurance in prayer. Faith, based on His will, revealed through His Word, grants us assurance and insurance in prayer. Uh, well, I don't have, okay, let me, you just gotta believe me. I, I know you do. I know, okay, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have my, 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 Literal Bible here, but here, 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 let me, there's, there's the app, the whole Bible app, right, right? Is that the Bible? Yeah. Okay, you version, see it? You version, okay. Okay, so see, there's scripture, there's scripture, 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 right? Scripture, 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 you see it, okay? Scripture, let's see here, Psalm 62, there it is, okay? Okay, so, you know what the scripture is? It's my insurance policy. And the devil comes and says, mm. 
Your life broke down. You're stuck. I tell them, uh-uh, I'm not stuck. I have something better than AAA. I have his promise. He will never leave me nor forsake me. Oh, I have his promise that all things work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And after I tell him that, then I look to God and say, God, you promised me. I'm bringing back to you the insurance policy you gave me in your word. Woo! <laughs> I'm not, I'm not stuck there anymore here. And all of a sudden, shh, the angels show up. Okay, we're here to get you unstuck and move you on. Woo! Isn't that good? There was a, a great missionary. His name was David Livingston. He was in Africa, and he came to the Zambezi. Say Zambezi. Zambezi is the fourth largest river in Africa. He came to the Zambezi in Africa and he wanted to cross. The chief had been mistreated by some treacherous traitor and he had vowed to kill the next white man who came across. Livingston, by his fluttering candle, turned to the Bible and read, as always, his evening passage. Coming to the promise found in Matthew 28, 20, Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the world. Closing the book, he said, It is the word of a gentleman of the strictest and most sacred honor. I am will not flee. He did not flee. And as a result, he was mightily used by God in Central Africa because he depended on the insurance policy that God gives us through his promises. I want you to keep in mind because you and I need to know this truth. That even when God gives us promises, haters are still going to hate. Even when God gives us promises, there will still be those that will arise to try to nullify his promise from being fulfilled. But like Livingston, we don't shy away. We don't flee. We don't cower in the midst of haters hating. We continue to cling to the promise of God. We sang about it tonight. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I want you to, t- I want to tell you guys, this is not something that I'm just telling you from the top of my head. This is stuff that I've had to do in the moment of deepest trial, in the face of opposition. I've had to say over and over again, God, here's your insurance policy to me. In the midst of opposition, I declare what the insurance policy says. In Joshua 1.5, there shall no man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail. 
fail you nor forsake you. God, I'm surrounded right now by haters, but I bring the insurance policy. And like David, I declare in Psalm 3-3, but you, O Lord, you're a shield around me. You're my glory, and you're the lifter up of my head. Lord, I know that right now I am being tested and tried. I'm going through water right now of affliction and difficulty. I'm going through the fire of trial. But God, I bring you my insurance policy that you gave me when you said when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they're not going to drown you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither will the flame kindle upon you. I want you to understand today, when you have the Word of God spoken into your life, and God gives you a promise, you can bank on the fact that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Mm, I want you to see this, because even during worship, when we were singing that, the Holy Spirit brought to mind. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They prepared a fire to burn them. But what happened? The fire that they prepared to burn them ended up burning them. Uh, uh, What happened when they decided to have a a den full of lions. The lions that they thought were going to eat Daniel ended up eating up his enemies. What happened when Haman prepared? He prepared a gallows for Mordecai. The very thing that he thought was going to hang Mordecai ended hanging him. I want you to understand. You just got to hold your peace. Bring out your insurance policy. Remind God of his promise. And if you hold your peace, he'll fight your battles and he'll prove to you again. I've got you. I've got you in the palm of my hand. Now, that ain't in my notes, but, you know, I get, I get, I get the can't help it sometimes. I get the can't help it. Oh, so let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this little talk up here right now. And so he prayed the first time that it, did not, that it would not rain. It didn't rain. He prophesied it because of the word of the Lord. Then by the word of the Lord, he says, now it's going to get ready to rain. Watch this. First Kings 18, beginning with verse 41. Ooh. Ay, ay, ay. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink. For there is the sound of what abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, What? There's nothing. And seven times Elijah said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time, That he said, the servant said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened, say in the meantime, that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. 
there's some powerful truths in here that God has used to build my faith, and I want to share them with you quickly. The first is the sound comes before the sign. The sound comes before the sign. I hear the sound of abundance of rain, but there was no sign of any rain. But the sound always comes before the sign. That's why the Bible says, he who has ears to hear, seven times in Revelation, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Ah, When you come to church, don't just listen to the message. Listen to your message. What is God saying to you? Because if you listen, you will hear. And whenever God gives you a word, that's the sound. And the sound always comes before the sign. But here's the thing. When you have the sound, you have the assurance and insurance. The sign is on its way. <laughs> That's why he told him even before it started to get cloudy. He said, go tell Ahab, he better get ready. He better get going. Lest he be stopped by the rain. But there was no sign of rain. But he had the sound. And he knew if I have the sound, then the sign is coming. <sighs> and the sound gives you the assurance that the sign is going to be fulfilled. Mm. So when you get that word, you bank on it because God does not give empty promises. God only gives promises that he intends to fulfill. And then don't let the there is nothing stop you from praying until there is something. Uh, he sent his servant over, and the servant said, came back the first time, uh, there's nothing. Elijah could have said, hmm, let's just pack our bags and go. He didn't. He sent him seven times. He didn't allow the there is nothing to stop him from keeping on praying till there was something. Now, it says that he bowed, putting his head between his knees, one commentator I read said that he was in the posture of a woman about to give birth. When God gives you a promise, you need to understand it's like you conceiving. And sometimes you've got to carry that promise through difficult and trying times. But like Elijah, he had a sound. He had a deposit from heaven put into his spiritual womb. And he was determined, I'm going to bring this all the way out to delivery. I wonder, is there people here that are better than UPS that you will deliver? You will not slack. You will not falter. You're going to stick to it until the deliverance comes. You're going to be like Elijah. You're going to say, I'm going to stay here. I'm not moving till I hear that there is a sign. Because I know he gave me a promise. And I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to stay here until the sign comes. And then you've got to pound the ground. You've got to pound the ground. 
Another way they say it, you got to hit the pavement. In other words, you got to work it. Well, I'm just waiting on God. If He gave you a word, He's waiting on you to act on it. Pound the ground. And then persistence prevails when all else fails. This is, guys, this is what I am so grateful for regarding the saints of old. They deposited in me. They, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, they're, 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 you, don't, you don't even know who they are. You don't know Sister Petra. You don't know her. You don't know Sister Helen. You don't know her. Uh, you don't know Sister Gloria. Uh, some of you knew Sister Adela. That was my mama. But these were women that every Tuesday at 10 a.m. they would get together for prayer. And I saw these women. They were like a pit bull on a pork chop. When it came to a promise from God, they locked down, locked down and said, I'm not letting this go. They taught me that if you want to experience breakthrough, you've got to be willing to pray through. You want to experience breakthrough, you've got to be willing to pray through. You, oh, ah, you see... I'm going a little old school now. You see, I was taught, I was taught back in the day that if you had a burden, you came to the altar and you didn't get up from that altar till you experienced the breakthrough in your heart until you knew that you knew that God had heard your prayer. And I'm telling you, you're looking at a man that has learned through the example of these old saints that if you pray long enough, God will show up. God will will grant you his promise. God will grant you breakthrough. Hmm. Persistence prevails when all else fails. Come here, Jay. Come here, Jay. Hurry, hurry, hurry. You remember Jacob. Jacob, he got a hold of God. And then God told him, you got you to gotta let me go. It's about to be daybreak. And what, what, what did Jacob say? I'm not, not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And then what did God do? God got his forceful hand and he hit him on the thigh. And he knocked his hip out of socket. Now he's like this. His hip's out of socket, but he's still holding. I'm not letting you go till you bless me. I want you to understand something. When you pray to God, I'm telling you, I want to get this across to you. Sometimes you're going to have to pray through pain. Sometimes you're going to have to pray through heartache. Sometimes you're going to have to pray through a mind that is telling you, you might as well forget it. You've been here before and you're here again. What do you think is going to be different this time? But you've got to have that resilience like Jacob who says, I may be hurting, but I'm still clinging. I may be broken hearted, but I'm still clinging. I'm not going to let go till you give me what you promised me that you would grant me. God. One day, watch this. One day, George Mueller, look him up.
great, he's a Christian that you need to know about. George Mueller, he founded orphanages, trusted God. And God kept supplying in, in, in miracle ways. But watch this. One day George Mueller began praying, watch this, for five of his friends. After many months, one of them came to the Lord. Ten years later, two others were converted. Watch this. It took 25 years before the fourth man was saved. Mueller persevered in prayer until his death for the fifth friend. And throughout those 52 years, he never gave up. That he would accept Christ. His faith was rewarded. For soon after Mueller's funeral, the last one was saved. Why do you get emotional about that, Pastor? Because I'm sitting in a church. And my dad's funeral. And the preacher on the stage is saying, Pastor Jose Angel Menchaca Sr. went home to be with Jesus happy because he knows his son will continue in the ministry. And I'm like, inside like I am I don't even know if I'm going to walk with God I had my plans I had my plans I'm going to just because I was mad at God but then God cornered me and a few months after he, was, he passed I came to Jesus and I learned that when you pray believing, God will reward. He will come through. Look what George Mueller said. It is not enough to begin to pray, nor to pray all right. Nor is it enough to continue for a time to pray. But we must patiently, believing, continue in prayer until we obtain an answer. Watch this. One more point. God's hand is open to pour, not closed to store. Remember on the seventh time when the servant comes back to Elijah, what did he say? I see. There is a cloud the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Interestingly, the Hebrew word for hand that is used there, kaf, it speaks of the palm, the hollow of the hand. In other words, the cloud he saw was in the shape 
of an open hand. It wasn't in the shape of a fist of a hand that was closed. It was in the shape of a hand that was open. And in the hollow, in the palm, that's where the rain was. (laughs) Can I tell you, God's hand is like this. And when you and I pray, you know what happens? We tip His hand. We tip His hand. God has, according to Ezekiel, showers of blessing for His people. According to Zechariah 10, He says, Ask of me and I'll grant you rain. Ask me for rain in the time of latter rain, and I'll grant you rain, he says, and I'll cause the grass in your fields to grow. But we got to ask. And tonight, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray, believing. How many of you are believe that God can give you what he's promised? Huh? There is a song that I've asked Natalie to lead us in. It's called There is a Cloud. Because the lyrics of this song are not just a petition. They're a declaration. And when we declare this song tonight as a corporate body who believes, I believe we are going to see His word fulfilled in our lives. For those of you that believe today, you know what? God has given me a promise that I believe He's going to fulfill. I believe that as we declare this song, we are setting in motion the energy of God to produce what only He can produce. Amen? So would you stand with me and let's join Natalie in making this declaration tonight. Come on.